The Graphic Histories Podcast. It's time for the Graphic Histories Podcast. My name is Andre Maya, and I'm your host. Big thanks to Ookla Mock for our theme song, Superpowers, and big thanks to you, gentle listener, for tuning in once again to the show. I hope you are enjoying it. It's been a, a fun ride. It's still continuing on, uh, and I'm having a great time. Uh, last week's Reverse Flash episode was a lot of fun. This week we are talking about Eternals, character, um, leader of the Eternals, in fact, and certainly featured in the Eternals movie, which is coming out soon from Chloe Zhao, I believe her, I pronounce her name, or Zhang. Um, yeah, we're doing Icarus, or Icarus, although I'm going to call him Icarus because there's something in his origin story, as we will get into, that does certainly indicate that myth was kind of based on his life. So I will, uh, I will call him Icarus for that reason, although it is spelled differently than it was in Greek mythology. I-K-A-R-I-S is how uh, the leader of the Eternals' name is spelt. I'm excited to see how he's going to fit and how the entire group's going to fit into the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe proper as, you know, they've got a pretty big, big canvas there to, to paint on. You know, a lot's been painted already. There's lots of room for more. I'm excited. Uh, speaking of things going on in the Marvel Universe, I've recently begun playing the Avengers game for the PlayStation 4. Um, I have a PS5, but the PS4 version is what I had, and I hadn't played it yet, so chucked it in, started playing it. It is, you know, it's got a lot of bad, I don't know why, but a lot of people ragged on it when it first came out. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, for the, the amount I've played so far, I've, I've enjoyed it. You know, it's got it's very cinematic feeling. It does feel like I'm watching a movie. Um, I think people kind of wanted it just to be an extension of the Avengers movies, but it's not. It's kind of its own thing, and I like it. Uh, there are many characters featured within that game that we've discussed in the past. Uh, one, I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, I do know that one George Tarleton is featured in the series. Uh, if you're paying attention to previous episodes, you may know who that is. I won't say, just in case you don't. However, if you do know who he becomes within the game, you can always check out our previous episode on that character, who I will not name. I've had a bad habit of accidentally spoiling stuff lately, just talking to friends about movies or TV shows and, and letting slip something that a uh, you know, third party that's listening didn't know about. And I feel bad about that. I don't like to spoil stuff. I mean, I know by its nature, a podcast like this kind of does talk about things that could be deemed spoilerific, but, you know, I don't want to get into things that are too spoilery when it comes to things outside of whatever we're talking about, you know, the subject of the, of the episode, for sure. So, uh, in the comic world, there's not a whole lot going on that I really think we need to touch on beyond the fact that, you know, several series have been announced. I know Jupiter's Legacy... Um, which was a Mark Miller comic that got its uh, first season on Netflix. They've apparently uh, decided to not continue with that series. They're going to go into a, a spinoff show called Super Crooks, which was a spinoff comic as well by Mr. Miller. So 
that's interesting. Uh, one thing that I'm extremely excited about, extremely excited, uh, like vibratingly excited, is that Sweet Tooth comes out on Netflix tomorrow, the first episode. I'm a massive fan of that graphic novel. Uh, in my mind, Jeff Lemire has done no wrong in the comic world. Everything he's written that I've read, I've thoroughly enjoyed. Some, of course, more than others. Some really resonate you know, deep in your soul when you read a good graphic novel. And Sweet Tooth was one of those for me. Uh, Netflix has let me down in the past. I was, I would describe Locking Key the same way. However, that series on Netflix was a bitter disappointment to me. Uh, if you enjoy it, great, power to you. Um, however, it's just it's so far from the series and tone uh, that I just couldn't get into it. I tried, I really tried, but it's even partially filmed here in Nova Scotia. But alas, it was not for me. That being said. Um, Advanced reviews for the first episode of Sweet Tooth are very, very good. Very good. So I am very excited, and we'll certainly be watching that episode tomorrow. All right, so without much further ado, let's get into today's episode. Today's episode is episode number 58, in which we talk about the leader of the Eternals, Icarus. <laughs> Icarus, like every Eternal, was created by the Celestials, an ancient and mysterious race of cosmic beings who had guided the development of key evolutionary events. These godlike creatures developed the Eternals over one million years ago, and they've looked after humanity ever since. Icarus's own father, Viraku, died battling a mutated earthworm during a group of Eternals' preparations for the coming of the third host of the Celestials. Valken, the brother of Viraku, then adopted Icarus as his own son. During the thousand years that followed, Icarus trained to sharpen his senses so that he could locate the beacon left behind by the Celestials in the Incas Chamber of the Gods in Peru to guide the fourth host of the Celestials there. At the time of the Great Cataclysm that sank Atlantis and devastated Earth about 20,000 years ago, the eternal Utnapshim built an ark in order to save some human beings as well as animals from the flooding. Later, Icarus came to guide them to a mountaintop where the survivors could disembark to restart society. His uncle Valken and the eternal Fastos constructed the Pyramid of the Winds and the storehouses below it in the Arctic Ice Cap. There were housed objects of tremendous power, including a weapon that the alien, virtually omnipotent Celestials, once used to destroy one of their own race. The symbol of the pyramid seems to have been imprinted on Icarus's brow somehow. Although the symbol is usually not visible, it once appeared when Icarus was subjected to tremendous neural pain. On his costume, Icarus wears certain symbols, which have a unique molecular pattern. Recreating this pattern was the means by which the vault holding the pyramid's most dangerous secrets could be opened. Not only was Icarus trusted with wearing this pattern, but the symbols were designed so that they would glow and change into pyramid shapes if intruders successfully breached the pyramid. Icarus fought against countless monstrous deviants, a dark version of the Eternals themselves in their various attempts to oppress humanity. In the days of Greek mythology, Icarus was assigned to battle deviants, including a minotaur-shaped deviant, in the labyrinthine tunnels that they had dug beneath the Aegean Sea. During this time, he met and married a mortal human woman whom he met in the Minoan Crete, and they had a son, who they named Icarus, after his father. The younger Icarus, delighted in being carried aloft by the elder Icarus in flight with the aid of Fastos and the eternal Makari, the elder Icarus constructed an artificial flying device so that the young Icarus could fly like his father. But before the elder Icarus could teach his young son how to use the device properly, he had to leave on a long mission, fighting deviants in distant areas of the globe. He was gone for years, and his wife fell into despair. 
The young Icarus, convinced that his father must have been trapped by enemies, put on the flying device to fly in search of him. But the younger Icarus soared too high into the atmosphere and fainted for lack of oxygen. He drifted in the upper atmosphere for days until the sun's ultraviolet rays burned out the device's controls and he fell into the sea. The elder Icarus eventually returned and found his son's body, bearing it soon after. When the time approached for the Celestial's return, Icarus, posing as a guide named Icarus, went to the chamber with the human archaeologist Dr. Daniel Damien and his daughter Margot Damien. Icarus posed as a human being as to not alert the deviants to his presence. Our subject revealed his true identity to the Damians, fought off a demon attack force trying to destroy the beacon, and reawakened Ajax, another Eternal. He tried to defend New York City against the Deviant's attack, but was captured and imprisoned in a tube at the bottom of the ocean. He was released after fellow Eternal Athena had reached a truce with Crow, the leader of the Deviants, and his forces, and was amongst a group who revealed the race's existence to Professor Samuel Holden, a professor of anthropology. Later, an evil group of highly intelligent villains known as the Intelligentsia used cloaking technology to sneak by Icarus and the Eternals to find their massive archive of ancient texts, in hope of finding data from the Library of Alexandria and Cosmic Interloper, the Grand Master, kidnapped Icarus and every known hero away from Earth, where they were sent to battle in a specifically made arena as part of a twisted competition. After their release, Icarus and the Eternals were captured while in Olympia by Crow and held in suspended animation until saved by Iron Man, who had been brought to the city after Athena had mentally reprogrammed his, his armor to do so. Icarus and Margot Damien had by now fallen in love. When the Eternal race decided to leave Earth after the departure of the Celestial's fourth host, the Eternal's collective consciousness in the form of the Unimind decreed that certain Eternals who were particularly involved with earthly matters, including Icarus, could remain behind. Icarus remained on Earth as a guardian of humanity against any menace posed by the Deviants. Icarus and his allies tried to stop Warlord Crow from raiding the Pyramid of the Winds, leading an attempt by various Eternals to thwart the plans of the Deviant Priest Lord Guar to achieve vast power for his race. Icarus became the Prime Eternal. After successfully challenging Thena, although they were unsuccessful in stopping Gahar from acquiring the essence of the Dreaming Celestial and thus assuming the power of a Celestial himself. Icarus and the Eternals joined forces with the Avengers West Coast to stop Gahar from freeing the true Dreaming Celestial who would destroy the entire galaxy. Icarus alongside the Eternals were attacked by the High Evolutionary when he came to study the DNA of the powerful offshoots of humanity surviving the encounter. When the Eternal Cersei became ill, with Mod Rai, an incurable degenerative disease of the Eternals, they attempted to bring her back to Olympia to perform the rite of cleansing, but she refused as it was a process in which the inflicted is killed. She instead asked him to perform the gun Josen between her and her lover, the Black Knight. Icarus was not pleased, but agreed, and the two were soul-bonded in matrimony. Icarus and the Eternals joined the battle against Thanos when he tried to become one with the entire universe. Later, Icarus and his fellow Eternals were victims of a memory wipe caused by Sprite. She caused them all to forget their true identities. Believing herself, himself to be Icarus, he was captured by the Deviants, Morjack and Gelt, who vaporized his body, but he survived and appeared beneath Olympia. This caused him to regain his memory and powers and began his mission to recover all of the Eternals. He teamed up with Makari in hope of reawakening the lost 90 others and eventually succeeded in doing so. Icarus later observed that the Red Hulk was taking out a Hydra-like sea creature on the island of Kavai. Cersei relayed the battle to Icarus, who presented this information to Olympia. 
They began to debate on how to handle humanity, and they wondered if they should leave them be, defend them, or rule over them. Well, some think they should form the Unimind once again. Athena points out that it only leads to the Eternals leaving for the stars. The conversation was interrupted by Cersei's scream, and Icarus traveled to the island to help. It was revealed that the Red Hawk was about to attack Cersei, but she explained she was only there to prove to the Eternals that humanity could be heroic. He stood down, but it was too late, and Icarus attacked and knocked him into a nearby volcano. Machine Man tried to help, but was no match for the Eternal. Red Hulk recovered and threw a massive rock at Icarus. During this fight, the Red Hulk was forced to stop to divert the magma flow from the volcano to save the people of the island. Cersei convinced him that it was all a big misunderstanding. They traveled back to Olympia, and Zerus was unimpressed with the humans' champions, and time would still tell on how they would deal with humanity. When the countless bodies of Celestials rained down on the Earth to herald the arrival of the Dark Celestials, the Eternals learned a dark truth that drove them mad. That the true purpose of their race was to cultivate humankind. Since the first host of the Celestials allowed humanity to thrive because they saw in their genetic makeup the potential to act as antibodies against the Horde, an insect-like race controlled by the Dark Celestials. In their madness, the Eternals either turned against each other or committed suicide, including Icarus. Before dying, he was found by Iron Man and Doctor Strange, who had traveled to Olympia to investigate the final host. Icarus told the pair how he and fellow Eternals lost their minds because their true purpose was hidden, hoping to help the heroes stop the Horde. Icarus mentally passed on Iron Man the key to summon a Unimind. After the mass suicidal event causing all the Eternals to die after learning the truth of their being, they were all rebirthed at once due to their endless nature. Icarus, being the last Eternal to die during the Dark Celestial's reign, he was the last to be resurrected. Tasked by Zervis with freeing Sprite, now reborn as a young woman, he followed her to New York City, traveling around Times Square and subduing Deviants. When they both came back from their trip to New York City, they were both suspected in the recent murder of another Eternal named Zeras. Icarus and Sprite tracked the murderer's trail to the ruined city of Titanos, where they encountered Zervis's apparent murderer, the Mad Titan Thanos. Icarus eagerly battled Thanos, but Thanos proved too much. So Sprite created an illusion of Icarus to distract Thanos while she and Icarus escaped. The pair returned to Olympia and told their fellow Eternals of Thanos' return. Druig asked Icarus if he had any proof with Icarus countering that the wounds of his face were proof enough. Druid advised that they wait for Zerus' resurrection before making a move. However, Fastos revealed that the wardens of the exclusion were dead and the resurrection machine was inoperable because of their previous method of staving off death so Zerus couldn't be resurrected. As Druig and Icarus accused each other of treason, Cersei appeared and took Icarus away to heal him. While Icarus talked with Cersei, Sprite, Fastos, and Kingo Sunin, they discovered that the resurrection process had been rigged so Thanos could be brought back, indicating that there was a traitor amongst the Eternals. Also, the machines of resurrection were connected to Earth's biosphere. If they weren't fixed within a week, Earth would be rendered uninhabitable for humanity. The Eternals sprung into action, eventually stopping Thanos, and preventing the world's destruction. Quietly protecting humanity for beyond a millennia, Icarus and the Eternals will remain a steadfast and worthy protector of planet Earth for years to come. And there it is, the graphic history of Icarus. All right, so next week I'm having my wisdom teeth out, which is exciting. By not at all exciting. <laughs> uh, all four are coming out on Tuesday, so I'm hoping to have next week's episode done before that happens. 
just so I'm not sluggering on here. Um, I don't know what I'm going to sound like. I might sound fine. However, just in case, I'll probably get it recorded in advance. But if I don't, I'll be certainly have it recorded in time for the usual Saturday day. A Saturday episode. Uh, speaking of which, that episode will be focused on Craven the Hunter. As we, it was announced at Sony Studios, they'll be doing a Craven film with Aaron Taylor Johnson playing Sergei Cravenoff. So I thought, why not get a jump and learn about that crazy Russian big game hunter and exactly what uh, his, his place has been in the Spyroon universe overall. Pretty interesting. He's one of those characters that died and remained dead for a long time before they brought him back. Uh, there were, at one point, there were certain characters that never were brought back to life. One was Aunt May. Or not Aunt May, sorry, Uncle Ben. Uh, one was, like, Superman's parents. One was Bucky. You know, eventually, like everything, they all come back eventually. But at one point, uh, Craven, after his death in the 80s, was remained dead for, geez, like 20-something years. So, you know, they try to bring him back, bring the character back by, you know, him having sons that took up the mantle here and there. But it took him a long time to actually come back to the original Craven the Hunter. So we will get into that when we do that episode. But anyway, thank you very much for tuning in. It's been a pleasure as always, and I will catch you next week.